0: Well, the NCAA Council submitted recommendations which would increase the NCAA tournament to roughly 90 teams. How much of an absolute disaster would this be for the sport that we all love? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and I'm thrilled to be joined here today by Leaf Tuline of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Leaf and I are going to discuss a wild couple of days in college basketball. Uh, we're going to start talking about the latest report on a hot topic across the sport. This has been discussed uh, pretty much at length since over the summer. I remember a lot of conversations about it back then. That is, of course, the potential expansion of the NCAA tournament. Uh, personally, it's hard for me to imagine a more perfect sporting event than the NCAA tournament as it is right now. Uh, The NCAA Council, which includes SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who has kind of spearheaded this movement, Uh, they made recommendations that would include uh, the sports playoffs throughout the NCAA to be about 25% of the teams that participate for the NCAA tournament. That would mean roughly 90 teams in participation in the big dance. Leaf, uh this has been going around for a while. I'm sure you've heard the conversation long before yesterday when this council recommendation came out. I'm curious kind of your thoughts on a potential expansion to the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't love the idea of it at all because I, I think if I think of the best tournament setting uh, mm-hmm. there is, it, it's March Madness. Like it, yep. it it's, it's quick. It mm-hmm. happens. There's The excitement's boiled up because of the duration of the tournament. If you were to add more stages and, and what I would call meaningless games, mm-hmm. I know anything could happen, and there's going to be an even more improbable upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just – I love March Madness. And, and mm-hmm. maybe call me a traditionalist, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's not there's nothing wrong with the tournament. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I were to make one tweak, if you were to say, like, Leaf, you have to make one tweak to current mm-hmm. March Madness, I would take out the first four. Yeah. Like, that's the only tweak I can possibly make. You yeah. still can. Same number of rounds for just about every team. You still have to win six games to win the tournament. You get 32 automatic qualifiers, and you get 32 at-large teams And instead of getting 36 at-large teams. I I think it's the perfect tournament. Like I I said this, and I I actually was talking to my friends about this last Mm -hmm. night. We were just talking about basketball as I was Mm -hmm. at the Jazz game. And uh, I I said, there's no more perfect event Mm than the three days that finalize a conference tournament. Mm -hmm. You got Selection Sunday. You skip a few days and you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the opening rounds of the March Madness, and and like you can take out the first four in between there, and I'm in heaven. Like that, that's a seven day stretch, my favorite seven day stretch of the year. If they Mm -hmm. March Madness, I'll be depressed. So I, I I think you got to keep it the same.
0: I, I'm with you on every single facet of that. I love that week so much because even the few days off uh, are just spent staring at my bracket and trying to figure out what changes I might want to make. Uh, there are certainly some people who will abdicate for the strength of the uh, four play-in games. And obviously we've seen some teams Uh, win a play-in game and then go on a torrid stretch. I think the most notable team is, of course, that 2021 UCLA squad that had Jalen Suggs not hit a 39-footer, might have gone all the way to the national championship game. Uh, I understand why people might point to that and say, look, we should keep this. And I'm not going to, like you said, if I had to make a change, maybe I'd get rid of that. Uh, I'm kind of a traditionalist in the 64-team field as well. I don't necessarily hate the 68-team field. I don't hate the play-in games. I think it's fine. I think it's a little superfluous I think is the best way to put it but again when you've you've had a few teams go on deep runs so I can understand why people might want to keep it uh, I could even understand why some people might say well let's what if we do 72 and we put a few more games and I'm not in favor of that, uh, I think just continually chipping away and making slight changes constantly just feels unnecessary. Uh, but I would I would be in favor of that if the other alternative is going all the way to 96 teams, which I know that uh, Joe Linardi at ESPN has ran a ton of simulations on what a 96 team bracket would look like. Uh, he was he kind of had a thread about it on Twitter yesterday, uh, and just said basically the conclusion was that it's a disaster. It's just a complete mess. You have a bunch of bad teams in the field. Uh, it just it just kind of dilutes the whole product i think that's the big thing too is so many sports are struggling with trying to figure out how do we not completely dilute our regular season and i feel like if you're putting 25 percent of the teams in the the 25 percent of the d1 teams when when effectively 30 or so percent are just not good they're bad mid-major programs and i i'm a an advocate for mid-major basketball. I love mid-major basketball, but there's a whole bunch of teams that aren't going to even sniff the playoffs. They're not even going to sniff potentially making the NCAA tournament. And then if you're going to increase the field to 96, then basically every team who's even decent has a pretty good chance. And I just don't feel like that's really in the spirit of, of what you want out of a regular season, what you want out of Uh, out of competition from November to to March or November to February. And I know that there's already an argument that maybe college basketball's regular season is a little bit diluted and people aren't paying attention until January anyway, because of football. And there've been lots of conversations about, do we move back the start of the season and and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I don't see how any of college basketball's current issues, which I don't think are that prevalent would be solved by, by expanding the NCAA tournament. It doesn't seem like it's going to fix really anything that are, that are problems in the sport right now.
1: Yeah, I think the the notion that would that would be the positive take on this. So if you're an, if you're a team that is mm-hmm. typically a a mediocre team in your mm-hmm. conference that that rarely gets the top four in your conference, Right. and, and you know you say you're you're eight through ten in a big conference like mm-hmm. the SEC, like so, Greg Sankey's going to be pushing for because mm-hmm. I think he has the most depth of any team in the country right now, right, um, or any conference in the country. Sure. So now now um, you you say well why can't a team that, like for instance Florida this year mm-hmm. like, that seems like a bubble team that, that's got more talent than some teams that are gonna make the tournament probably right. because they're in a stronger strong conference. I, I understand that. but but that said, you, got, you can't dilute the field by saying we're gonna add 20 teams more right. like, <laughs> like by, by just because there's a there's gonna be one or two teams that are better than others mm-hmm. like, like, here's a good example. I don't like Duke whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But Duke was by far a better team than some of the teams that made the tournament um, mm-hmm. when Duke didn't make it because they got co- the COVID um, yeah. after beating Louisville in the ACC tournament. Mark Williams had 22 and 19. That would have been a terrifying 10 seed. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't a good team, but that mm-hmm. would have been one of the like worst 10 seeds like to, yeah. to have in your bracket that you could imagine. Um, but but I, I don't think they deserved it. One of my best friends is a Duke fan that has mm-hmm. watched like, every game for years and years and years. And he agreed with me. Like He said, I believe that we, ha- we were good enough to be in this, but mm-hmm. I don't think we deserved it. And yeah. I, I think that's the, the anyone who's watched college basketball long enough and mm-hmm. has an appreciation for the way they ran it mm-hmm. appreciates how amazing an event that March Madness is. Like there are no sporting events that really draw the same immediate attention for how yeah. well it's ran and how engaging it is from start to finish. As March Madness, so I'm I'm fully on board of, of keeping it the same, and and if there were to be a change, like I mentioned, I, I'd almost reduce the field. But that said, I love basketball, so a 68 is fine with me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on all of that, and I think one one of the only pros that I could see if they were to do it this way, which to be clear they are not, uh, would be to add more potential mid-major teams, like uh, teams that win their regular season uh, in their, you know, win the regular season in their conference and then lose in the conference tournament. And since they're like auto one bid leagues, those teams don't make it. That's not who Greg Sankey wants to add to the NCAA tournament. He's very transparent about that. He's trying to, to pigeonhole, you know, those those Florida teams or, you know, big like Northwestern, like, 500-ish Big Ten teams, and like more of those teams and the same number of mid-major teams just doesn't interest me. Frankly, more mid-major teams still doesn't really interest me in the sense that I'd rather just keep it as is, Uh, but knowing that if they do expand it, it's not going to be the little guys who get the bump. It's going to be more of these big Power Five programs that just had mediocre to even bad regular seasons, and that's just not interesting to me. I just don't want to see those teams get that opportunity uh, when, like you said, using the Duke example, they didn't earn it. Well, Leaf, Tuesday gave us a pair of very interesting results. Kansas State dropped 116 points on Texas in on the road at the Moody Center. Pitt polished off Virginia after beating North Carolina earlier in the week. We're going to discuss if those two teams are legit contenders or if they are pretenders. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action. College football bowl season is just wrapping up. And of course, the NFL is getting into the playoff picture. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds contests and player props, you name it. Bet online remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, so Eddie patents still locked on college basketball here. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Leaf, we are doing our weekly contenders or pretenders segment here and Tuesday's slate of games gave us a couple incredible opportunities to talk about some surprising results. We got to start talking about this ridiculous performance put on by Kansas state over Texas at the Moody center, 116 points on the road. A few fun facts before we talk about this team as the most wins on the road by an unranked team over a top 10 team in the AP era that goes back to 1948. Uh, The Wildcats shot 60% from the field. They shot 54% from three. They shot 94% from the free throw line. They're the third team in the last decade to put up those numbers and also 115 plus points in a game. The last two teams that did it were... Utah against Mississippi Valley State, Florida State did it against Nichols State, Kansas State did it against Texas, one of the top 10 teams in the country, a borderline top five team, Uh, the 1.41 points per possession, was the most Texas has ever surrendered in the Ken Palm era. Leaf, what were your thoughts on this game and really what are your thoughts about this Kansas State team who has been quite solid all season long, but I'm not sure anybody expected them to do this here uh, on the road? Yeah. Scoring 58 points in the first
1: half at Texas. And, and this is, I mean, you're, you're very familiar with this When mm-hmm. Texas played Gonzaga at that arena. It was jumping, it was rocking and it was impossible to get the ball in the post that Drew Timmy. So Kansas state gets Jerome Tang and he's made an immediate flip of the switch. Like this was a bottom dweller in the big, uh, big 12. They yeah. lose their best player. Nigel Pack goes to Miami and they flip the switch and they bring in transfers. The whole team's made up of transfers, a new coach, and they've come together and put together one of the more cohesive identities of any team in the Big 12, mm-hmm. other than a team like Kansas, who's kind of right. plug and play. Bill Self's been there forever. A lot of mm-hmm. return, even if they're taking larger responsibilities. And it, it's really impressive. A few stats, like you you mentioned a few, and, and I've had a few. Kansas State's number 31 in Ken Palm, seventh mm-hmm. in offense, and 42nd in defense. And that's a recipe to get into the big dance. Like yeah. if you do the mathematics on, on how to get in, there's going to be 32 at large, uh, sorry, automatic qualifiers, 36 mm-hmm. at large, bids. there's going to be some automatic qualifiers that would have made it as at large. So, and then there's going to be some bid stealers. Right. So 13 to me that right now is on the inside, like just mm-hmm. inside of the bubble. If they lose a few, they'll end up on the bubble. But that's something I wouldn't, wouldn't have expected. Like preseason, I thought I was higher on Kansas State than most because um, I, I just took a leap of faith. I was like, "Man, I really like what Jerome Tang's being yeah. like. What I've been told he's responsible for at Baylor and mm-hmm. that part of the system and the culture at Baylor under Scott Drew was uh, was something that Jerome Tang in, implemented. And I w- I just kind of took a leap of faith and was, was higher. But that said, I had no no delusions or. Mm-hmm. or I thought disillusion. I was not disillusioned into believing that there would be a top five team in the big big bowl. Yeah. I will tell if they are, but like mm-hmm. the fact that they're close is, is really remarkable and that said, I, I will I will posit I've got some concern for Texas now. Mm-hmm. That was their core. That was never going to leave um, in, in the way. Like you could see odd offensive droughts, but giving up that many points, 58 and a half is is really alarming. Yeah. Like especially in a first half. Like there's this feeling out period in a basketball game and they haven't played the conference games really yet. Um, they, I mean, Texas squeaked one out at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and you got to feel good coming back to home and, and, and trying to get a good start playing Kansas State. So to answer your question and in a long-winded way, I'm, I'm high on Kansas State. I can't push myself to say they're a contender, but yeah. I think they're in contention to make the tournament, which is as much as anyone, and maybe even more, than anyone could have anticipated for the people in Manhattan, Kansas.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I I love the additions that Kansas State has made. Uh, Keontae Johnson has been just awesome for this team. He's been super, super efficient, Uh, 57.5% from the field, just under 41% from deep. Uh, Marquise Noel has been awesome as well. He had 36 points. I think it was on 14 shots as well against Texas in this game. A really, really nice performance from those two guys. Uh, This team is absolutely on the up and up. I'm yeah, I guess it depends on your definition of contender. Do we think this team's going to make the big dance? Yeah. And do I think they could pull an upset in the big dance? Yeah. Do I see them as an Elite Eight, Sweet 16, even team? Eh, probably not. Uh, I mean, you never know. Once you get into the big dance, things crazier, things have certainly happened, but uh, I do think that this kind of exposes a lot of the issues that Texas has had this year, They're only a two loss team. Uh, Texas doesn't have, they have one, they have two good wins. They have a a very nice win over Gonzaga, which has aged well, as we've seen that Gonzaga was, was pretty rough at the beginning of the year has, has shaped out better lately. Uh, Creighton. That was a nice win at the time. They were number seven in the country. That doesn't look as good. Now uh, they have a loss to Illinois and, they've been good throughout the season. They've blown out a lot of teams that they should be blowing out, but I'm not a hundred percent sold that this team is necessarily going to be where a lot of people had them. They have some inconsistency from beyond the arc. Uh, they have some inconsistency defensively, uh, certainly given up 116 points in this one. Yeah. Kansas state had a monstrous game, uh, but at the end of the day, like, you can't give up 58 points in the first half at home. Like you're just—that's not a recipe for for success. So I'm not sure. I'm. I think Texas is a full-on pretender, but uh, this is the kind of game that makes me a lot more hesitant about. Hey, is this one of those teams that could that could face an upset in the second round that might not even make the Sweet 16? I think it's possible.
1: Yeah, I I think I know I was, and I talked to Isaac about this a while, on one of our mm-hmm. episodes that Texas was like a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. to be one of my best four teams in the country. Like early in the season, it was hard to say that they weren't the best team in the country. There's Mm -hmm. regression. There's things that happen for teams positively and negatively. So I wasn't going to say slam dunk. They're the best team, but they were easily a final four contender. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm with you. Like if things don't change, they're sweet 16 bound. And, you know, I I believe they can, they've got a backcourt that's dynamic. They've got experience and possessions that matter, but, Mm -hmm. um, it, I think this speaks more to Kansas State's ability to to score in a prolific fashion yeah. than it did to Texas's defense, even though Texas's defense was atrocious to go 58, yeah. no matter what you say. Like, yeah. It's pretty hard to do that. Yeah. Um, but, but I think they can rebound, and I think Kansas State's kind of just getting a taste of what they can do. Yeah. And now this is a confidence booster going into the Big 12 play and having a couple wins under their belt, this kind of – they they scrapped one out against bob huggins and company yeah and they're able to win this game that they probably shouldn't have and now then they earn a game that they no one expected them to win and they deserved every bit of it and so i think they're gonna have full-on confidence and they and the one thing is a lot of these teams that have talent and they're kind of put together like a jigsaw puzzle you like mm-hmm. don't know exactly what pieces are going to go where but they, you find it out is they typically don't close games well Kansas State's been really good at winning close games this year. Mm-hmm. The only one they've they've only lost one game. That was to Butler at Butler. That's a tough game, even though Butler's not a particularly good big yeah. game. Um, but they've been able to win games that I wouldn't say they necessarily should have early in the year. And mm-hmm. I kind of started to believe in them more and more. Like they beat LSU, who, yeah. who's a decent SEC team in a close game, and they've mm-hmm. been able to um, when, when the runs have been stemmed, they make good offensive surges. They've been able to back it up with their defense. So I think. The fact that they're pretty evenly ranked in Ken Palm offensively and defensively encourage, encourages me about Kansas State's future. And I think if the tournament started today, they'd be in, and I think they will make it, but I don't want to say defend it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to switch over to the ACC a little bit, talk about the really, really good week that the Pittsburgh Panthers have wins over number 24-ranked North Carolina. We know North Carolina has been pretty up and down this year, uh, and maybe there was some expectation that, hey, maybe that was more about North Carolina, less about Pitt. But then Pitt turned around and beat Virginia, uh, which is obviously a pretty nice victory right now. The Panthers are 4-0 in ACC play. I think there's an argument that this says maybe more about the ACC than Pitt, but I am curious what your thoughts are after seeing this team uh, put together a really nice streak of games last week
1: yeah this was confusing for me because north carolina and virginia are i think the two most talented teams in the obviously duke is supremely talented but they don't have as much experience as the other two and i I think that the north carolina game there was an element of luck for pittsburgh sure I i think that the shooting that they got from Hinson and especially the one shot that was a prayer and he, and he mm-hmm. drained it yeah. was a, uh, you know, you, you, need luck to win big games. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I think, I think there's an element of luck, but all good teams need that. And, but I do think Jeff Capel's putting together a good group, like Hinson, yeah. Burton, uh, Sabande and, and, and Cummings kind of mm-hmm. have put together a quartet that, you know, you're going to get certain points from now. Can mm-hmm. they get stops? And that's where playing a team like Virginia, who's very good, and they're, they're going to have a good record. They're going to finish in the top 20 of the of the rankings, mm-hmm. probably in the top 15. Mm-hmm. That's where it, playing them is a bit misleading because they're, they're, they're susceptible to upsets. It's not like the team they had with um, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy, where at the end of the game, it's really, mm-hmm. really hard to beat them because they can score at a high level and defensively you're not going to score. This mm-hmm. team can keep you from scoring, but offensively, even though they started the year with this like offensive three point explosion, once mm-hmm. you go into the ACC play and play like athletes that know their, your rhythm, you know your mm-hmm. patterns. It's hard to score when you when you're playing the mover blocker and and some of your guards and especially your best guard who's able to put pressure on the rim is playing hampered with an uh, injured hamstring, and that's Reese Beekman. So mm-hmm. I I will say there's a bit of luck for Pittsburgh, but I'm impressed with what Jeff Capel's brought together and mm-hmm. the culture of winning. And, and this is something that you'll you'll hear repeatedly with me throughout this year and and, and beyond is. I think winning is something that you can learn. It, yeah. There's habits of winning that become learned, and there's, these teams become good in close games. I think Pittsburgh's becoming one of those teams that, that has a knack for getting into these type, of, type games, and the more they practice it, the better they're going to get. So I'll, I'll answer with, I think it's luck, but I don't think it's like the ACC's as bad as maybe that people may be listening think mm-hmm. it is but I think that these are good matchups for Pittsburgh to win early in the year because yep. Virginia lets you stay in games by playing their slow pace because North Carolina is searching for an identity and they closed with a lineup they'd never closed with before. And those shots were mm-hmm. really improbable that fell. So yep. props to Pittsburgh, but I'm not quite as far sold on them as I am for uh, Kansas state. I think they're in the similar boat. Like if it started mm-hmm. today based off being four and in the ACC, you probably are in, but mm-hmm. I'm going to hold my horses before giving my evaluation.
0: Well, if there are so many big games coming up this weekend and for those who like to see or who those who like to wager on upsets cannot miss our final segment of the show upset watch. Before we get into that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have got to try Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Bilt with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, and you won't think they're good for you. They are perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and even coconut almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy, healthy, healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Bilt.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. All right, segment three here, still Andy Patton, still locked on college basketball, still here chatting with Leif Tuleen of the Locked On NBA Big Board, and we are on upset watch here. We're talking about a few games coming up this weekend where we think the ranked team could end up losing to an unranked opponent, or in some cases, just a favored team that might end up losing. Uh, I'm going to start us off here with the uh, game on Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time, 1.30 on the East Coast. That is the number 14 Wisconsin Badgers at Illinois. And quite honestly, if you look at some of the predictive models right now, They have, I think ESPN has Illinois as a 70.5% chance of winning this game. So it's almost unfair to call this an upset, but Wisconsin is for some reason the number 14 ranked team in the country. Ken Palm doesn't like them as much as they like Illinois. I think Ken Palm has Wisconsin 49th. Uh, Illinois is 28th for reference there. Uh, Wisconsin has kind of just benefited by not losing any particularly bad games which has allowed them to kind of vault into the rankings uh, Kevin Sweeney at Sports Illustrated wrote a really great article recently about the kind of flaws in the AP poll and the way that voters kind of choose to to, to make votes and he he alluded to Wisconsin being a team that probably doesn't, doesn't deserve to be where they are but uh, enough slander on the Badgers uh, I think Illinois is a really really good defensive team borderline top 25 in the entire country uh, winning big 10 games on the road is really really hard all of that plus the fact that I don't think we Wisconsin is all that good. They take good care of the basketball. They're a good outside shooting team. I don't think there's, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not impossible for them to win this one. But uh, I think I I have a pretty good feeling that the Illinois uh, team here is going to take this one and and potentially finally push Wisconsin back uh, towards where they belong in the rankings.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. That was one I had on my notes as Mm -hmm. well. I'll stick with the Big Ten. I think a team that right now is is starting to. I won't, I won't say spiral, but I think they're showing some flaws as Purdue. They lost by mm-hmm. one at Mac Arena to Rutgers. I think mm-hmm. they're in line for another loss this weekend. Yeah. Um, the one that I think they'll lose is at uh, it, at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State plays small ball, shoots the lights out when they're yeah. on. Obviously, who knows if they'll shoot the lights out against the Boilermakers, but if mm-hmm. they do, I think that presents problems. Obviously, Zach Eadie's a big fella, and they're going to have trouble guarding him, but everyone in the country is. and yeah. I think the the scars of trying to play through a big at very late in the shot clock and in, in, in crunch time um, mm-hmm. and, and having him be the creator showed their reared, its ugly head. Um, and then the other game that produced playing and I'll, I'll just kind of cover hedge my bet here. I, I, I wanted this to go to the Penn state, but Ohio state, Um, Mm -hmm. is Columbus playing Penn State. So it's going to be a difficult stretch for Penn State. And Mm -hmm. I I believe they're going to try to rebound, and they know they're a really good basketball team. And losing two in a row is pretty hard to do, when you're a really good basketball team. But that said, the Big Ten's a gauntlet. Playing Columbus is difficult. Zed Key is a problematic big to play against because he can play inside. He can step out a little bit. Ohio State's got guys. Chris Holtman's a good coach. Let's see how Matt Painter adjusts against Ohio State and Penn State. So I'll put the Boilermakers on upset watch.
0: Yeah, I, I was considering that one as well. I, I think uh, it's it's hard, like you said, it's hard to lose multiple games in a row and they're going to come out very motivated, but that's a really tough stretch of games that they got to deal with. Uh, I'm going to move over to the Big East. I'm going to take a game that again, uh, preseason wouldn't have looked like to, uh, a game that we would have on upset watch, at least not uh, the direction that we have it on here. And that is number 18, Xavier at Villanova on the road against the Wildcats. Of course, Villanova has had a disappointing season. Uh, injuries, uh, Cam Whitmore, Uh, has only recently returned. The star freshman for them, Justin Moore, has yet to return for this team. That impacted them significantly. Really disappointing performance for this team uh, in the Phil Knight Invitational. We have seen them kind of rebound ever since then. I think Xavier's a very, very good team. I've watched quite a bit of them this year. I do think they deserve to be a top-20 ranked team. But Big East on the road, playing at Villanova, Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game. Uh, Xavier's not a great defensive team. They're a top-10 offensive team per Ken Palm, but they're only 76th uh, in adjusted defense. Uh, Villanova, frankly, also struggles defensively. So this game could be up first to 85, might win this one. Heck, it might be first to 90 that wins this one. Uh, there's no current update on Justin Moore's status. Uh, he has been returning to practice very recently. I would be surprised if he made it back for this game. I think if he was going to play in this game, we probably would have already heard it by now, but certainly that would change the dynamic here. I also think we're starting to see Cam Whitmore find his groove. He hasn't been particularly efficient as a scorer just yet. He's only played seven games. He's only played about 23 minutes a night. I think as he gets more acclimated to Villanova's offense, gets more kind of adjusted to what they're trying to do under Coach Kyle Neptune, I could see Nova pulling this one off and and, uh, sending Xavier home with a loss that they really, really didn't want to take after uh, such a strong start to the season in Biggie's play,
1: yeah, I, I think this was one that was certainly on my monitor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the The thing that you you nailed on the head for me in this matchup is Villanova can be kind of prone to get stagnant this year, which is mm-hmm. weird to say about a Villanova team after years and years of like associating mm-hmm. with some of the best ball movement. But against mm-hmm. Marquette, there was there was stretches where. Nova looked like they were the better team and and then they had these moments where they couldn't penetrate at all. And they'd shoot like a desperation bailout three almost and Mm -hmm. get like late rotations. And it'd be Eric Dixon face up three. um, And then Chris Archie Diacono shooting a a last second three. Um, Mm -hmm. That said, Xavier isn't as good a defensive team as some of these teams that they've played. Like they played Mm -hmm. UConn and Marquette. Um, Those two are really good defensive teams. So Mm -hmm. I think there's an upset opportunity because one, you Nova knows how to win. There's the culture of winning there. Mm -hmm. There is a desperation and they're playing at home. Xavier's on a, on a really high, like that's a high of a season beating the number two team in the country on, on your home court. And now you go play at a hostile environment. So that's one I really liked as well. And one to, close us out this one is an interesting one because Iowa looking towards the season you would have said mm-hmm. okay yeah they can cover their home court and beat Indiana like that doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a crazy thing but yeah. right now Iowa looks pretty poor yeah. and Patrick McCaffrey is out because he he's dealing with some anxiety so hopefully a, a key piece of that team gets back and, and feels better and mm-hmm. is able to go for the uh, critical stretch of Big Ten play but Indiana this is more of a buy low or, or not buy low um, sell high on Indiana mm-hmm. Indiana's ranked highly but I don't think they're terribly impressive, and they also have an injury to their point guard, Xavier Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, was able to shoot the ball pretty well. Indiana's able to condense a floor and make it shrink, but at home, I think Iowa's got a chance to push it. This one is my least confident of the ones we've discussed, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd toss it out there because playing at Carver Hawkeye is difficult. Carver Hawkeye is known to be loud. They play fast. Crazy things happen in that building, and Indiana can be a team that runs into droughts offensively. So if you find a good team that, that has the chops to be good offensively against a team that is pretty poor offensively, they just have a good defense and, and one star player in the interior and one of their top scorers is out, that, that, I smell a little bit of an upset yep. there. There's, possi- there's a possibility. Yep.
0: Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, We got some upsets for you to keep an eye on out over this weekend. That is going to do it for us today. Thanks to Leaf for joining as always. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Uh, More fantastic content coming on Friday. And again, as we get into next week with the potential new number one team after Purdue's loss against Rutgers. For now, though, peace out.